I be talking about yeah, Half rapping ass motherfuckers You think it's a game? You think it's a fucking game? Come on! Like, had to start the podcast right today, baby. Oh, shit. Man, there's been a lot going on and there's some crazy shit happening. I I was like, yo, just today, people. Just today. So, you know, I was like, yo, I, I need to get out. So I hit the gym early. Went for an early session. So I'm working out, doing my thing, right? I, and then, you know, as what happens, you know, I needed to take a leak. So I left my machine I was working on. And there was basically, the gym was virtually empty, right? So the machine I'm working on, I was just on the elliptical. And no other, there's like 20 ellipticals. None of the other ones were being used. So my water bottle, my tower on the machine. I go to the loo. I come back. There's a motherfucker on my machine. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he looks at me and he shrugs and then he like shuffles off. And the thing was, it was an older dude. It was an old, he was probably 60 or something, which saved the day because I wanted to, oh my God. Oh my God. I wanted to let loose, man. But I'm just like, nope, can't be shouting at an old man. Can't be doing it. Hold your roll, Scott. Hold your motherfucking roll. But God damn it. I, I, I was just like, what, what is this motherfucker doing? You know what I mean? I was just like, shit. Shit. We cannot start the day like this. But, you know, did my thing, continue my workout, which was good, which was good. But, man. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was, uh, so I don't really give a fuck about football people. I don't, I don't care. Like, I've, I've, I think I've mentioned why, you know, it's a racism thing from back in the day. So I, I, that, that just changed it. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, all right, fine. I don't have to go to matches. I watch it at home. But once that, that door's been opened, yeah. Yeah, it, we're done. We're done. So I don't really, I don't really give a shit. I I keep an eye on what Arsenal do because that that was my team. You know what I mean? I keep an eye on what they do every now and again. I most of the time I'm forgetting, but but yeah, it, it's so it's the Women's World Cup right now, and. All I've been hearing is like, the lionesses are gonna do it. The lionesses are gonna take it. And if you don't know, um, the lionesses is the nickname for the English um, women's team. And um, I'm just like, 
Oh God, here it goes again. Because what always happens over here, right? So they talk so much shit. They talk so much shit and they build things up so much. Even when there is no fucking reason to do it. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, yo, be confident. Definitely be confident. You know what I mean? I never go into something thinking, oh, shit, I'm going to fuck this up. But that motherfucker's going to kill me. Nah, you know what I mean? No, 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 no. You have to be confident, right? So you go in being confident. But there's a difference between confidence and then delusion. And, and, and I feel when it comes to sport, a lot of the time, there's a lot of fucking delusion over here. So they were just talking mad shit. Like, you know, they're going to take the World Cup and, you know, they'll beat America in the semifinals. And if they lose, they failed and just all this shit. And um, I remember flicking through... Um, doing so i forget what i was doing but i I was doing something and i saw this uh, us were up one nil and then a bit later i i they drawn and then i think when i the time i the last time that you know shit popped up it was 2-1 to us and this morning i just see yeah us won 2-1 and you've got all these pictures of these girls crying and these stupid articles and stuff like that and I'm just like look US were the current champions you lost to them just stop being ridiculous about this shit you know what I mean stop putting yourself in this situation where like uh, uh, you know it's hard to come out of it's hard to come out of because you have talked things up so much that whatever the result, you need to win by like 10 goals for you to kind of, you know what I mean? Come out looking decent. There's your fools. Fool. But it does, like the press over here, it's really, it's funny because I was talking to someone, um, the other day and you know I was talking about podcasts and shit like that and they're like oh so you're a journalist and I'm like nah, I, I wouldn't say I'm a journalist you know what I mean I like I cover certain things I mean I review films and shit but I wouldn't say like I was a journalist I wouldn't say that there's a lot of people that do but I wouldn't say that you know, this is, I think, you know, there's a difference in what you're doing, you know, but journalism, it's just getting crazy, it's, it's getting crazy, like, Glastonbury is just being, and the way they talk about Glastonbury is so fucking weird, it's so fucking weird, because they will talk like, oh, you know, this band destroyed, and this band did this, and blah, 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 look, I've been to many a music festival, and I've seen many a great set, but, look, 
the way you talk about it and the way they talk about it's two different fucking things and so they try and create this narrative that if if you weren't there then you're an idiot you know what I mean like this was the only place to be and it, and it's just this false bullshit that they do that is just uh, so egregious to me man it, it, it's just it's weird I just it I dislike it I dislike it it's like um you know the way they talk about Venus Williams it it shocks me shocks me because yo so Venus lost um the other day you know she lost to a, a young lady um something gaff i think gaff something like that i i i, I forget the actual name 15 year old chick and yo it's a big moment for that girl for real it's a big moment never take that away from her you know but i never hear anyone um talk about like what venus has done and the way she's been doing it because right the thing being right venus suffers from i think it's like shijon syndrome um chagrin's chagrin syndrome um and the the thing with this is so she is she has chronic pain and fatigue all the time all the time and trust me because this is some autoimmune shit right um and i know full well how that impacts your life you know because you're not operating at a hundred percent you're not operating at um you know probably even like 70 60 percent you are very diminished so the fact that she is doing her thing and she still wins she still kicks ass and she's doing all of that with this you know illness yo you have to give that girl mad props man mad props for that because there is so many people that you know just scrape their knee and they're tapping out of shit so you know yeah she lost if you know what i mean as i said look mad props to the other girl mad props to the other girl but hey don't talk about venus like she's bullshit because that ain't true. That ain't like just talk about the motherfucking facts and and lay out all the evidence. That's that's the thing that I find weird about like this modern day journalism. Because that's not what happens. Like, look, if you are just going to um air your own opinions, fine. But call it what it is. That's a full piece that's your opinions that's not necessarily the whole truth 
So don't lay it out there like it is. Like these are the facts. When that's not the fucking case. Right? You you, you know what I mean? You, uh, it's just weird. It's just fucking weird, right? But. But. Hey. Let's get to the episode. Because, um, yeah, there's shit to talk about, right? So, um, yeah, let, let's get to it, right? Okay, so, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, is kind of baffling me. Like, I, I really don't kind of understand what's going on. Like, for instance, there's this situation with Nike and... Uh, uh, some trainers that they were going to bring out and they've now pulled okay so yeah so there was um they were just about to release uh a special edition of Air Max Air Max 1 quick strike fourth for um yeah the 4th of July but there was complaints because the um the trainers featured um a flag on them that has connections with the American Nazi Party and it's the it was the Betsy Ross flag that was um it features 13 stars representing the first U.S. colonies, uh, and, you know, it, it, it was cr- supposedly created around the American Revolution, but there seem to be some people that aren't quite sure, you know, uh, yeah, there, there's questions about when it was created and created for and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, so because Nike pulled these trainers, Arizona have decided to not give them a grant, which is just the weirdest shit. Like they're building a factory in Arizona, which is going to give the state like 500, at least 500 jobs. So you think, that's a great thing, right? Helping, you know, unemployment and all of that. So you think, yeah, that's helpful. So why would they, you know, potentially put that at risk by pulling this grant, which is, yeah, just the weirdest thing. Just the weirdest thing. You know, like... People are calling, um, you know, like the governor of Arizona has said that, you know, Nike bowed to political correctness. And other people have called them unpatriotic. It's just the weirdest, the weirdest thing makes no sense to me. The other thing that I find weird about this whole situation. So, Colin Kepernick, who, like, everyone was ignoring, like, the other year. When he took the knee and everything like that. 
And then Nike were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to make you an ambassador. We're going to give you this money. We're going to, you know, do all of this around you. So he then, like, sends out a, a, a tweet saying that he finds it offensive and, you know, they shouldn't do it. And it, and it kind of makes me wonder, couldn't that have been done in an email? You know what I mean? Like, why does everything have to be made public? It, 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 it's, it's just like, you know, I get it. If, if, if they hadn't of, you know, I guess, helped him out them fine, you know what I mean, you've got no connections to them, but I, I kind of feel like, look, they did you a solid, now, don't get me wrong, obviously, that, what they did with him, it benefited them as well, to a certain degree, but, no one else was doing it, like, he was just sitting on the sideline, no one else was helping him out, so you kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of feel that if someone had done that, I'm not going to air them out in public. You know, I'm going to make a phone call. Make a phone call. No one needs to know. I'm going to be like, yo, do you realize that maybe this flag could be seen in the wrong light? Yeah, I, I, I'm just letting you know. Yo. I'll maybe do that, but everything seems to be, you know, people want to use certain things to grandstand, to go, oh, look at me, I'm, 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 I'm over here, I'm standing for this, because it's like, uh, what benefit is it to you, because, you know, let's, let's just make it clear, these are fucking trainers, right, these are trainers, so, you know, trainers are small, I, 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 who really is going to notice this flag on the trainers, now, I'm not saying the flag should be on the trainers, you know what I mean, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's a tiny thing on trainers, how many people are really going to notice it, so it's it's crazy how there's a lot of people now trying to use this to benefit their own causes and ends. It's a weird one. It's definitely a friggin' weird one. You know, especially all these people going how, uh, yeah, Nike is, is evil now. It, it, it's just like, you're, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, it would seem, yeah, it's very weird, I don't know, I have no fucking clue, man, it's just another weird thing happening in the world, and there is more, so yeah, there's definitely more, so it seems that when some people 
don't get their own way, they send their fan base against the person who they're pissed off at. Which is just the weirdest shit to me. Especially in an age where people are, you know, going, look, people shouldn't bully and all of this kind of stuff. I'm like, what would you call this? (laughs) You know what I mean? So, Taylor Swift signed a, a, a shitty record deal. Signed a shitty record deal. And... A, a, a music mogul, as he's being called, Scooter Braun, bought her old record label. So he owns her first six albums. Because, you know, she, her the deal she signed was that the record label owned the masters to her music. And because he bought her masters... He's now being called a bully. And saying that he's dismantling her musical legacy. Which, it's just a weird thing. It's just like, look, many people signed bad deals. Like, a lot of people signed bad deals. But you have to kind of think, you know, at the time when, you know, Swift signed her deal, it was in 2004. In 2004. So, at that point, we'd already heard all the stuff about Prince, George Michael, you know, the the issues they had. There'd also been, um, you know, other people that had signed, you know, that had lost the master, the rights to their masters and stuff like that. It's, it's not a new thing in the music industry. You know, it was a it was a big reason why you know Jay Z and Dame Dash started Rockefeller. So you kind of feel that look. There was knowledge there. But she still chose to sign that deal. Because, and this is the thing. People sign those deals because they're offered a huge cash advance. Right? You're offered a huge cash advance. So it's like, oh, I'm going to take that money. Yeah, great, awesome. But you can't then complain. Because you signed the deal. You signed the deal. Now, like, there's claims. There's, you know, everyone's wondering, why didn't she just buy the rights back? Because, and everyone knows, Taylor Swift is doing good. You know what I mean? She, she's not struggling for cash, right? So, you know, that's the question. Why didn't she buy the the, the songs back? And she's saying that she attempted to, but, you know, there was all these shenanigans and stuff like that that kind of stopped her from buying 
her master's back. See, now, the thing with that, the issue that seems to jump up about those claims are, if that was the case, how is it it wasn't mentioned then? You know what I mean? Because it's just like, this This would have been in recent years, right? So, she's huge on social media. And there's been other times when she's gone on social media to vent and, and, and talk about shit. So, you'd have thought that that was something big enough that she would have vented on social media about it or you know she would have consulted a lawyer about it or there's all these things that she you'd have thought she would have done at the time and we would have heard about it but no one heard about it until now which is a very um it's a weird situation right so it what it seems is you didn't bother to buy your rights back someone else has now got them and you're pissed off so it's like oh if i kick up a storm and and say that i've been bullied and you know all of this I could potentially get my rights back, which is just a bit fucked up, you know, look, we, you have to live by, uh, by your actions, so if you make a stupid deal, hey, you made a stupid deal, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like you can't complain about it after the fact, well, I mean, you can, but you can, but don't expect shit to change, right, and don't sick your fans on people, because if you're complaining about bullying, but then you're condoning bullying, it's a, it's an oxymoron, it's a weird one, and her fans are called Swifties, Swifties, yeah, that's just shit, I'd go back to the drawing board on that one. Swifties. Oi. Oh dear, oh dear, people. Oh dear, oh dear. Right, so I'm not the target audience for this. But there's this new social media platform as it were, um, and I believe it's aimed at, like, I don't know, 16 to 24-year-olds, something like that, right, and, um, it's called TikTok, like, I've only really heard of it from, uh, your mama's house, um, there's Christina P is all about it, she bowed it, bowed it, but it's like, I don't know, 
it, it, it seems like, uh, uh, you know, a different version of Vine, you know, one of those ones. So people upload the short little videos of them dancing or lip syncing to something, just stupid little videos, right? And um, the creators of these videos can ask their fans and followers to send them digital gifts. And, yeah, fans are raking up debts because they're sending out these these digital gift things. Um, which is just a bit like, what the fuck are you doing? And what is, what's weird is, so... With anything like this, people are um, complaining that, you know, it's the company's fault. It's the company's fault and this shouldn't be allowed and all of this kind of stuff. I think the real question, though, is how the fuck... A, a, a kids being able to send over that money it was like how they got credit cards and shit firstly firstly if you're giving your fucking 10 year old a credit card you're a moron so there's that but also aren't you talking to your kids this is the big thing, right? Aren't you talking to your kids saying, hey, these things are scams. Don't send people money online. Because it's not like this is the first case of this. You know, there's there's been complaints about, like, loot boxes in video games. You know, there was an issue with Fortnite. I think it was like last year, you know, there was stuff with World of Warcraft, so this isn't a new thing, but it's still going on, so you, you just wonder, like, what are, what's being taught to kids, because you, surely, right, talk to your kids at home, and, like, this shit should be kind of reinforced to kids at schools. Because social media is such this, this huge thing now, right? So, I'd have thought in schools they'd be talking about, like, cyberbullying. They'd be talking about cyber grooming. They'd be talking about, like, sending, like, people asking for money, it's just a weird, like, because this is the thing, right? So these creators of this, these videos and stuff are asking people to send them, um, like, these digital gifts, these drama queen award things. And in return, they'll share their personal phone number. Firstly, 
if you believe that, you're a muppet. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, if I was on Instagram and Rihanna was like, oh, if you send me a grand, I'll send you my phone number. I'd be like, seems that someone's hacked Rihanna's Instagram. Right, I'm not sending you money for a phone number. That's ridiculous. But it's just like, you know, for a, if we'll send you your, your, our phone number. Or we'll mention your name in our video. Or we'll talk to you for this amount of days on Instagram. Just weird. It's fucking weird. And it's so bait. That's as, that's the crazy thing as well. It's like... the Surely... Surely, kids are, are warned about this shit. Because this isn't any sophisticated hustle. This is some fucking low-level bullshit. And I, I, it does make me wonder about any kid that's falling for it and sending this money across. Because... I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just saying you cannot be the sharpest knife in the box if you're doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah, you just can't. Because if you're gonna believe that these people are then gonna talk to you and be your friends if you send them money. Yo, what's wrong with you, man? And parents, man, talk to your fucking kids. I mean, talk to your kids. I just blocked a fucking app from their phones. That's the simple thing. You know what I mean? Just block the app. And don't give them fucking credit cards. Oh, man, these are fucking strange times, that's all I can say, strange fucking times, but it's not only kids that are getting duped and that are dumb, it's not only kids man, yo, so as I said, it's not just kids man, (sighs) adults are dumb too, so as I mentioned earlier, it was Glastonbury last week, and um, some people seem to have dropped a ridiculous amount of money for VIP tickets, and the weird thing is, so, with with all big festivals and, and, you know, events, they always say, look, if you buy tickets from unlicensed vendors, we are not to be held responsible, right, so if you want tickets, you have to get them from specific reselling and ticketing websites, but this guy, this dude, this Nathan Chalice, 
dropped 16 G's for a couple of tickets. A couple of tickets, man, to Glastonbury. Alright, so, he supposedly was offered a deal which had a yurt and two VIP tickets, which were supposedly, like, press tickets. Which is just like, firstly... Aren't you, you know what I mean, aren't you questioning how the fuck they got those tickets? And wouldn't you be asked for credentials if you had those tickets? That, I mean, that's, that, they're the questions I'd be asking myself if someone was like, oh, you can buy these tickets from us. And I'm like, wait, what? Makes no fucking sense, son. So, um... You know, he bought these tickets because he wanted, like, firstly, he wanted to show off to his girlfriend. Like, that's, you know, that's standard. You you know, that's definitely one of the reasons. The other reason is, supposedly, these tickets will allow you to mingle with celebrities and the media. I'm like, hey, idiot. Look, hanging out with celebrities isn't anything special. It's not special. It really isn't. A lot of celebrities are dumb. They're boring. They're vapid. Why the fuck you want to hang with them? I do not know. But for this, right, he was willing to pay 9900 and 95 pounds. Well, ah, but there is a catch, right? If he could pay all at once, that's how much he would have been charged, right? But he he couldn't pay that up front, so he put down a deposit, which meant in total he had to pay Fourteen thousand four hundred and eleven pounds for this deal. So I'd question that. You know, he's like straight. I'm questioning that. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So where's the extra? Why the extra? You mean why the fucking extra? What's 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 the deal with that, son? You mean adding the drastic extra? Like, if they added an extra G, you might go, alright, but nearly five extra? Come on. Then, you know what I mean? Then this idiot, you know, he says that um, he, he was then contacted in January saying that, um, you know, they, they offered him the chance to get a yurt closer to the festival and he's like oh huh all right closer to the festival that sounds like a good deal oh and i just have to pay an extra two grand yeah why not i'll do that but like and the thing is with with all of this shit right 
if I'm dropping 14,411 pounds, surely the fucking year is in a prime location. You mean you're you're paying all that money for some for something that's like in the middle of nowhere? That that seem see another suspect move, right? Another suspect move. So, but anyway, this folio decided to go ahead and um, do this shit. So he, he you know paid the money. He paid the money. Arrived at the campsite on Wednesday. Tickets aren't there. Nothing. Nothing is there. Said that he, you know, he called the company. Hello, front row. And heard nothing from them. Waited 24 hours. And then was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going home. So, <laughs> then, he's like, he tries to, he, he contacts the company again, tries to contact them again, gets through and says, look, nothing was there, I want a refund, like, and another thing, right, if I'm paying all of that money, there needs to be a clear refund policy, right? Needs to be a clear fucking refund policy. Obviously, there wasn't because the company were like, no, we're not giving you all your money back. We'll give you 5000 as compensation. <laughs> because they said that, you know, he his year and everything was ready on Thursday. So, like, now you have to ask yourselves, right? Firstly, well, firstly, why the fuck would anyone do this deal in the first place? Because it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and obviously, it's a straight up scam, right? But. When did they, when was he told that, you know, this year and everything would be ready by? Because if it was, you know, meant to be ready by Wednesday, then obviously the company fucked up, you know? But, like, you know, was it actually meant to be ready on Thursday and he turned up at the wrong time and date? Who knows? But it's just a ridiculous situation. And I don't feel sorry for this dude. He sounds like an idiot. If you're throwing around 16 Gs, you're a moron. A straight up moron. Especially when you look at the actual price of Glastonbury tickets. They're not. That ex, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're not cheap. I think it's like two, two fifty, something like that. Like maybe three hundred, but I don't believe that any more than that. So a three hundred pound ticket 
you wanted two, that's £600, right? But you are willing to pay 16 Gs. You look at that markup. You don't wonder why, how. It's, it's ludicrous, man. It's straight up ludicrous. But this Fulio goes and makes the deal even though, even though it's it, it's clearly written that you shouldn't buy from any of these third party weird companies. Still does it. No clear refund policy. Still does it. You can't then complain. Don't don't ring up the BBC and whine about it. Don't do anything. Because you're an idiot. You're a fool. And hey, you're lucky you only lost 16 grand, moron. Okay, so enough with the crazy. Let's move on and um Hey, let's get with some of the more funner shit. So we had, um, you know, UFC at the weekend. We've got our TV review, our book review. So let's let's get to that stuff, right? Cool. Okay, people. So, um, last weekend, Saturday the twenty ninth. Saw um the third uh ESPN card that the UFC had put on and we had Francis Ungano V Junior Dos Santos as the main event and um it was coming from Minneapolis which is in Minnesota. I didn't know that. So yeah, fun fact people. Well, I mean, it is for me, probably not for you, but hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles, right? But, um, yeah, this was a hell of a card. And, um, yeah, like, you know, we're just coming off a great card from the other week. So it's a bit like, God damn it. You know, looking at this card on paper, I think it'd be fair to say that, yeah, it might just be average. But, yo, no one told that to the fighters involved because from the giddy up, this was bananas. It was just, woo, it was fun as hell, man. It was so much fun. Like, the main card was great. The main card was great. But, Gotta give a shout out to some of the cats on the prelims and and the early prelims. Because, man, they delivered. Like, the first fight of the night was Morris Green v. Junior Albini. And, um, yo, this was, it was a crazy fight. It didn't last long, but, you know, for the time it did, it was a crazy fight. Now... Morris Green is, you know I mean, he, he's, he's a big dude, he's a big dude, because, you know, I, you always kind of thought Junior Albini was pretty big, 
But um, yeah, Morris Green kind of dwarfed him. So it was crazy on that respect that these two big heavyweights would... Well, um, no, not heavyweights. Um, I believe that they were... Uh, um, <clears throat> what's the... Uh, light heavy, no, actually, I think they are heavyweights, uh, you know, I'm just all over the place, but yes, no, they are heavyweights, um, but, um, yeah, it, like, it started off kind of, um, a bit haphazardly, like, they were both throwing, but, like, Morris was kind of leaving himself a bit open, you know, it was kind of a bit open, but then he just, man, he landed on Junior, and it it was, yeah, it was done, he just hit him with some shots, and oh, man, like, it's weird, because Albini, he, um, he really leaves himself he's, he's open for shots. Like before the punts landed, it I was just thinking to myself, like, he needs to bring his guard up. Because he's got his like hands were down mad low. And it, it you know, he's had trouble in previous fights getting clipped and stuff. So you you'd think he'd be having a tighter guard and not as reckless, but no. No, and and it and it hurt him, definitely hurt him, and you and you have to wonder after this, is you know is his time in the UFC done? Because you know, in his first fight, it was like oh he could be a promising addition to the division, but he hasn't he hasn't seemed to develop. So, um, yeah, it was a good win for Morris Green. And it, it might be the end for Junior Albini. We'll have to see what how things go in, in the coming weeks, you know. Um, we next had the debut of two fighters. Dolce, um, ooh, Lung <laughs> Ibulov, um, and Dequan Towsend. And... Both fighters looked really good. Both fighters looked really good. You know, I, I, and especially Dequan Townsend, who was coming in on, like, I think five days notice, something crazy like that. Um, But, like, in the fight, I think Dolce always see, looked like he had the power, you know? And if he could connect... With just that solid hit, it might be all done. And um, yeah, come that third round, that's exactly what happened. And uh, punt, oh my gosh, the punts that put Dequan on his ass was just oh man, it looked horrible. It looked like it was just such a powerful strike and the way the quam went down you're just like oh oh man it's like Dolce landed landed a hook and then he landed another like a just a straight powerful 
like punch to his kind of kind of upper chest and Dequan just crumpled then it was a bit of ground and pound and the ref just jumped in and stopped that one but whoa yeah and but I have to say um Dequan was fighting at a heavier weight you know so he he was he was fighting at a heavier weight and he came in on short notice so you have to think when he drops down to um to middleweight like i i you know and has a full camp he he will be a prospect because he looked good he looked very mobile he was he had he was throwing some good um a good array of different strikes so i don't think this defeat damages him damages him but it was definitely a very good debut for Dolce definitely a very good debut um yeah then there was Emily Whitmore against Amanda Rebus and like Emily was fired like from the weigh-ins she was in Amanda's face and you know she looked Fired up for this fight. But I think that may have been to her detriment. Because like Amanda just looked so sharp. So sharp in this fight. And where Emily was like. she, You know she was coming forward and, and getting tagged. And, and, and throwing and missing. It's like Amanda seemed a focused fighter. And she was landing everything. She was moving out of the way. Um, and keeping Emily at bay. And when it got to the second round. She. Um, yeah. She, she she was able to sink in the submission. And it was done. It was done. And it's like. And the, you know. The way she took. Um took Whitmore as well it was oh man it, it it was really good it was like and um like you know Amanda was you know she was talking like the commentary team were talking about it and she said it in her post-fight interview that you know she's been you know in the cage since she was a little kid her gloves were a pillow you know what I mean and you could see that I think you could see that because she the focus she had and the she looked so comfortable in there you know for a debut she looked so comfortable so it was just like whoa you know it it was really good it was a really good display so um yeah definitely could be uh, uh, maybe you know someone to uh, consider like going forward. Who knows, man? Who knows? Um, Jared Gordon, um, his fight with Dan Marep that was a good fight, and Jared was tenacious, came on strong, and took that decision. But gotta talk about. Um, Eric, your boy Anders 
against some um, oh um Vinicus Moraria I I I I I think well I mean I yeah I I, I believe I probably butchered that but yo and like Anders was on a bit of a skid a bit of a skid lost his last three um in those fights he always looked like you know what I mean he 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 was always moving forward he was always go like going he was always throwing but yeah he he fought three tough fights lost those fights i think a couple were on short notice as well and you know it it was like anders looked like he um Yo, he, he he looked so pumped for this fight, so pumped for this fight, and yo, he he just looked unstoppable. It was insane. Like Marrera tried to take him down with an early shot, and Anders just powered him off, and you know was on top of him. Like you know what I mean? Just pushed him away. Then he had mount. And he was laying into him. Then it, it, you know, it was just a case of like mistakes, really, because Marrera tried to take him down again. Kind of had him down for a second, but Anders reversed it, got to his feet. Marrera, when he was getting up, he just didn't, you know. He didn't protect himself. It was like it was a it was a crazy that like already being hit by Anders. He'd already been hit by Anders a a few times, so you'd think he'd realise the power coming at him. But he just got up without you know without covering up with without trying to protect himself, and he just oh man. He just got hit on the chin. It was ridiculous. So he he got struck. Anders hit him. He went down, and then the ground and pound was crazy, crazy ground and pound. The referee should have stopped it long before he did. It was it was just like I don't know what he was waiting for because it was clear that Moreira was out, clear he was out, the punch that put him on the floor, really, that was enough to kind of call the fight, really, because he went down hard, and then the next strike, you'd think, okay, yeah, definitely, but I think after that, there was still another four or five punches, and you're just like, god damn it, Ray, but Anders, Oh man, he stopped that skid and he stopped it hard. So yeah, you know that that was a it was a great fight for Anders. Um, yeah. So the prelims ended with Ricardo Ramos against Journey Newsom. Journey Newsom was making his debut on again really short notice, and this was. An insane fight. This really was an insane fight. Both fighters were coming forward. They were throwing. There was a varied attack from both. And Newsom was just 
eating. Like he, you know, took a knee, flushed to the face, didn't phase him. Took a, a, a kick to the head, didn't really phase him. Took an el a back elbow, a, ha a back fist. It's like he just ate them. At the end, he was a little rocked. But still, still made it to the decision. So, you know, Ramos won that fight. But Journey Newsome, great performance. And, and, and yet, yeah, again, that loss, I don't believe that loss would have damaged his credibility in the organisation. So the main card. Started the main card. And, um, yeah, it was uh, Alonzo Menefield against Paul Craig. Um, yeah, a little heat in the weigh-ins. So it was just a bit like, ooh, how is this fight going to be? You know, no touching of gloves. And, um, yeah, whoa, whoa. I Menefield... Is a monster man. It's just like he lands and he lands heavy. And Craig, Craig has always got this weird style because it's all he always looks scrappy. Always looks scrappy. Always looks a little bit awkward in there. And he's he's pulled off some great wins. Pulled off some great wings. But they've always... It's always been a grind. It's always been... Like he's managed to get this surprise submission. Like on the ground. Something like that. You know, it is, it's never really a clean victory. And so in... You know, this fight has started. And he's... You know, try to pull guard. Yeah, like, you know, because he doesn't really have takedowns per se. You know, he doesn't have great wrestling. So, he will try and pull guard on you. He will try and get it to the ground by any means possible. And, um, yeah, he was trying that. It wasn't working. He then landed, he, he, he threw a, um, a, a spinning back kick, which landed, but the thing was, it, it wasn't a great spinning back kick, you know, he, it was a bit, he did kind of um, uh, telegraph it, and it, it wasn't like it was thrown with like crazy power or anything like that. Now, don't get me wrong, you don't want to get hit by it because a spin, spinning back kicks aren't the best things to, to eat. Yeah, I've, I've had them. They, it was never fun. But, you know, there's a difference with um, getting hit by an, an average one and then getting hit by one that's thrown with intentions, like, I, I trained with this guy, John, John Stewart, funny motherfucker, um, and he had a horrible, 
spinning back kick. A horrible spinning back kick. He, that fucker landed it on me a few times. Ooh, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, but yeah, other people, I've, I've ate them from other people. And, you can, you know, yeah, they're not, you know, pleasant. But you can walk through them. But Craig's was one of those that, you know, you could walk through. But then he thought, oh, I'm going to try it again. But the the thing was, he didn't, you, you need to be conscious of where your, your opponent is and have an idea on the range. So he threw this next back kick and Menafield was too close to him. It was never going to land because Menafield was not at the distance you know what I mean, for it to connect, so Menafield was close, Craig threw the kick, Menafield stepped to the side, and then just blasted him with a hook, blasted him, Craig went down, he then got hit with, um, you know, uh, one strike, and then a, 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 a hook, like it was a straight jab down, which, you know, you could you could see that it hurt Craig. Then Menafield landed a hook that put his lights out. Put Craig's lights out. Oh, Menafield then landed another two before, um, I think it was Herb Dean, could fully stop the fight. Oh, man. It was, it was vicious. It was vicious. So, you know, Menafield still unbeaten. He hasn't had, I think this is, it would, would it be his ninth fight. So, you're thinking, he's only had nine fights, but he's looked impressive. So, you kind of feel his next fight, you'd, you'd put him in the top ten. You'd put him against a top ten opponent and see what the fuck's going to happen. But it's going to be interesting because that dude... He throws with intentions. He really throws with intentions. Uh, so next up was Drew Dober against Marco Polo Reyes. And I think before this fight, it, the consensus was probably that Reyes would take it. And that he ha- probably had you know, just a bit too much for Dober. A bit too much of a varied attack. Yeah, Dober weren't hearing that. Dober weren't hearing that at all. He came hard. He came hard at Reyes and just connected with some solid punches that had Reyes all over the place. And then he was just, Dober was relentless. Just relentless. And uh, yeah, Reyes was out. Reyes was out, Dober KO'd him, and yeah, I think the fight went maybe a minute, it was fast, it was fast and hard, man, and Dober, whoo, made a statement for sure, you know, that he, he's got that knockout power all of a sudden, so yeah, people need to take note, definitely. We then had Roosevelt Roberts against um Vince Moral uh Vince Moral Morales. 
Um, yeah, like Roosevelt was the prospect, but um, you know, I don't think he. Uh, I don't know. It was a crazy fight. It was a crazy fight, and you know what? If, yeah, I was looking at the, an old card. Looking at old card, apologies. Um, because yeah, it was a replaced opponent. Roosevelt was fighting Vince Picelli. And um yeah, this was an interest it was an interesting fight because you know it, it started off and Roosevelt was looking good. It was looking good in that first round. But something seemed to happen. I, I don't know what it was, but something seemed to happen towards the end of the second round or maybe midway through the second round and yeah Roosevelt just seemed to lose all his steam all his steam and momentum and um yeah it it was Pacelli just took over just took over and just seemed to dominate Roberts it it, it was a weird it, and and it wasn't like Oh, like he completely smashed Roberts, but he just controlled him. Yeah, he just controlled him, and um, I don't know. Roberts just looked seemed very lackluster. Go all the way through because there was, you know, the third round was all to play for, but he just didn't seem to have it in him to to do anything. And I and I I do I wonder if he picked up an injury or something, because as I said, look, the first round he looked good, so yeah, I I don't know, I I kind of feel that he must have picked up an injury of some sort, but I don't know, it'd be interesting to see in the you know the coming days if anything comes out, but it was it was a good um a good victory for Vince Pacelli, definitely. Uh, so next up was Damian Meyer against um, Anthony Rocco Martin. And um, yeah, like Meyer's 41, 41 years old, man. And I, you know, I think I think people probably felt that it's probably Rocco Martin, you know, because he, he's the younger fighter. Um, he's been on a tear of late, um, you know, he, he's like the home fighter, and, um, he's shown some good technique on his, on his back, you, he's, he's had submissions, he's got good strikes, so it was just a bit like, yeah, it, it could be too much, could be too much for Maya at this stage of his career, but, um, it's Damian Maya, people, it's Damian Meyer, and I don't think you can really count him out because, yeah, he he just smothered Martin in those first two rounds. Like he was able to take him down and control him on the ground. Like it, he wasn't landing like any ground and pound to to know. 
You know, there were no really heavy punches or elbows or anything like that firing down. But he was controlling Martin. He was smothering Martin. He was just making Martin carry his weight, you know. Like, there was a few little, you know, pitter-patter punches and stuff like that. But it was more the drain of it all. Like, there was a moment, I think, in the second round... When Martin was able to reverse and take top position. But, I and you're like, oh, it looks like he might have Maya's back. But then Maya just reversed it again, was on top. And you could just think, oh man, that must be so disheartening for Martin. Um, Then in the third round though, like Martin was able to keep things... Really on his terms. He, he, he It was more of a, um, a standing fight. And he was landing some good punches. Landed some, like, uh, I think a couple of head kicks. That kind of stunned Maya. And so he definitely took the third round. But, hey, it, it just wasn't enough. He had to stop Maya. And, yeah, that, that just wasn't going to happen. So, um, yeah, it was a great win for Damian Meyer, you know, 41 and still doing it, man. So, next up was the co-main event, um, Juicier Formiga against Joseph Benavitez, and this was a rematch. I think they last fought, oh, I think it was like six years ago, um, yeah, 2013, whoop, whoop. The maths is still strong. Nice. Um, in that first fight, Benavitez ended it quick. Ended it quick and hard. Um, so, you know, it was like, oh, how's this fight going to come? Because Formiga has definitely improved since then. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? So has Benavidez. So, the fight started and... Um, Benavides was looking good. Benavides, it looked to be the faster punch, fa- the faster fighter, um, and he was landing well, you know. But then, in in a weird like exchange, Formiga landed a punch, but his thumb kind of went into Benavides's eye, and you could see that his like nail just cut Benavitez a couple of places one on the side and then one above the eye so there was just blood going into um Benavitez's eye for the rest of the round and you could see that it was kind of bothering him which you was just like oh that could be problematic and I think you're in the second round it it just like the bleeding, the corner was able to get the bleeding under control. But you could see that it had affected Benavitez in the way he was fighting. He was getting a bit reckless. He was coming forward, kind of head down, charging and throwing, throwing hard. But it meant he was getting caught a bit more than he was in the first round. So you did think, oh... This is the you know what I mean it like 
how is this going to affect Benavides, you know, going forward in the rest of the fight? Um, yeah, I think that became a now point. Like, you know, coming to the end of the round, Benavides landed oh, a head kick and a half on Formiga. And the crazy thing was, so the shin just cracked into Formiga's head. Like, you know, on the side, so it caught him on the chin, the cheek. It, it was a nasty kick. Benavides fell down. He slipped and fell while throwing the kick. And so you think, oh, that gives Formiga a chance. You know, but Formiga was so stunned from the kick. He was just still standing there. So Benavides was able to get up and just throw. He he saw that Formiga was like dazed and that was it. He was not letting Formiga out. He was not giving him a second to breathe, to move, to do anything other than crumble under his will. Benavidez just was a dervish and just throwing punches relentlessly at him. And uh, yeah, got the TKO. Got the TKO. So people, now here's the main event. Francis Ngano, Francis the Predator Ngano against Junior Dos Santos. I forget what Junior's... um. Ah, uh, yeah, I forget how to pronounce Junior's uh, nickname. Meh, meh, it doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, this fight, man, there's a little bit of heat, a little bit of heat, because Francis is like, Junior don't have a black belt, and Junior's just like, Phew. Francis is like, yeah, he's powerful, but fuck, I'm the better fighter, I'm the better boxer. And, um, yeah, this fight, it started with leg kicks, which you weren't expecting, especially from Ngano. You know, so he landed some heavy, heavy leg kicks. Then Santos threw one that put um, Ngano down, but he got up mad quick, threw a couple of leg kicks himself. Um, the Santos, he, he went... You know, he started to get a bit reckless. He tried to throw heavy, and and he 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 uh, you know, Ngano landed on him. To Santos, kind of, I don't know. He kind of like got turned around, and as he kind of got spun around, Ngano landed a hook. And yo, you know what they say? It's the punches you don't see that hurt the most. And as the Santos had his back to Ngano, Ngano landed this hook. Oh my God! The Santos crumbled, crumbled, and the Ngano followed him down and was just landing vicious punches. The Santos had all he could do was turtle up. Could he? He, he turtled up and was just covering his head. Couldn't do anything. And so there was nothing left but the referee to kind of jump in and save him, you know. Like, DeSantis got up afterwards, so he wasn't, like, knocked out or anything like that. But, you know, in a position he was, it was definitely tough for the referee to just let it go. 
So yeah, DeSantos, another TKO in just over a minute. Just over a minute. And I think with this victory, I you know, it's it's hard to say that Francis doesn't get the next shot at the belt. And you know, you kind of feel Oh, you kind of feel that this, his next shot of the belt is definitely going to be a different outing than the first go-round. So, whew, I, like, and who knows what's going to happen. DC fights Miocic in, um, you know, uh, towards the end of July. Um, so, it, it's one of those things. You know, like, if DC like wins again does he you know do this fight or does he retire because he's been talking about retiring so yeah what's gonna happen if DC wins does he fight Ngano does he retire and then Ngano fights someone for the vacant belt like because that could happen that could definitely happen but then you know if Miochik you know Beats DC in the rematch. Hey. Ungano Miocic rematch. That's definitely something you can sell. So either way. Either way. Man. It it would be a fight and a half. So yeah. Ain't that's next. For them. But people. Next week. Is the big one. John Jones. Against Tiago Santos. Amanda Nunes against Holly Holm. Oh, man. UFC 39. The card looks ridiculous. The card looks ridiculous. Ah, it's going to be so fun. You know, uh, on on the 5th of July, you've got the UFC Hall of Fame. Bisbin's getting inducted. Ah, it's going to be a good weekend of fights, man. It's a good thing, man. Just before my birthday, there is always a great UFC card. Looking forward to it. And, of course, as we do, we'll be reviewing it next week, people. So, um, yeah. Stay tuned for that. Okay, people. So, this week, I decided to, um, instead of doing something in between... Just to go straight into season three of um, of Easy. So, uh, you know, as you know, Easy is um, written, directed, edited, and produced by Joe Swansberg. Um, I mean, it follows several individuals living in Chicago. Who are trying to navigate issues such as love, relationship, and even knowledge. It has an episodic anthology format with standalone episodes that don't require you to watch like every episode. But the series does involve recurring narratives, such as the story of um Carl and Andy, who are a married couple, and um, 
they venture into an open relationship and we see these characters in season one two and three so um yeah we see that also um we see characters from different stories sometimes in other episodes but they're just in the background sometimes they may be in a crowd in a club or they may be at a play of another character you know you may see them across the street and i think that really does um kind of let you have this understanding of this kind of shared environment that you have all of these people actually living in the same place. Because, you know, it's it's one of those it's one of those things when you sometimes watch a program where it's meant to be set with you know, within the same place as this other stuff, but you never see any of these other people. And it's always a bit like, huh? Like surely there'd be a few crossed paths somewhere. But um yeah, I mean, we don't always get that. But, um, yeah, season three also saw um, a lot of characters, you know, return that you know. So Jane Adams was back as Annabelle Jones. Zazie Beetz as Noel. Um, you know, as mentioned, Michael Chermus is Kyle. Um, Kin... Kersey Clemons is Chase again. Um, you know, uh, we we have a lot of characters such as that. You know, Dave Franco is Jeff. Um, Evan John Kisk as Matt. Mark Marin as Jacob. Kate Makuki as Annie. Uh, and Elizabeth Razor as Andy. Um, so it's great, you know, it's, yeah, and it adds something, and and you get to kind of revisit these people, and, you know, you're like, oh, I wonder what happens with them, and, you know, how is it all going to play out, and, yeah, everything like that, which is, yeah, just interesting, you know, um, so, yes, indeed. Um, so, season three, unlike the previous seasons, season three has nine episodes. And this season three is the last. I think um, we get a lot of stuff being kind of tied up, you know? So, um, you get some resolutions, but because, you know, it's just the nature of life and relationships, you know, there some things are kind of open still, you know, there's still possibilities of certain things happening and stuff like that, which makes it very, um, realistic and just interesting, you know, I think definitive endings aren't always, you know, they're just not always what you want, right, 
because it just it can it can run a bit false because like we all know that's not really how it goes right okay so um yeah i mean speaking of um carl and andy you know they get um oh how many episodes i think they get three episodes in um how many three no actually no it's just two yeah they get two episodes in season three um and yeah these are exploring this open marriage situation I like the episodes are okay now like the thing for me so the first episode is the first of the series called swipe right and then we have you know they're in season the episode five and that one's swipe left um we do see them make a cameo as well in the last episode which then does kind of speak to, I think it speaks to the situation, which is interesting, very interesting when you see what happens, but um, yeah, I, I, the thing that's weird I find about these episodes, because it's kind of exploring the situation, exploring this um, open relationship, but the funny thing is, so what we kind of see is that Kyle is the one really, like, really exploring this open relationship. Like, he's on Tinder. And so the strange thing is, what we see him do and what we hear him say are very conflicting situations. Because at first, we see that he's been dating someone for a while. And it's like, you know, he tells her, oh, I've got real feelings for you. I love you. All of this. But when the situation kind of cools down a bit, he walks away and straight away he's on Tinder. So you kind of think to yourself, what are you actually looking for? Because from what we see, it's just like he is just looking for sex. Which, you know, look, there's nothing wrong with that. Because one of the reasons they entered into this open relationship was they weren't having sex. But. You know, just be on... Like, it'd be... You never actually heard him utter those words. Yes, I'm looking for sex. Because, you know, he meets one girl... And he clearly doesn't really get on with her... And the things she likes and everything like that. She makes a move on him... And he's a bit like, oh, no, 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 no... 
And he even says that to someone. He's like, yeah, and she tried to, you know, she just tried to kiss me. And I just wasn't, like, all feeling it. And, you know, it just seemed really forward and blah, blah, blah. But then, when he's feeling a bit lonely, he calls her up, goes to a spot, has sex, and then bolts. And so you're just a bit like, okay, yeah, this is what you're doing. But actually say it, you know, say it. And we have him kind of talking down to Andy at times, like, oh, well, you're doing this thing. And, you know, but she bumps into an old a guy that they both know, but they've fallen out of touch with. And I think she kind of had a crush on him back in the day. And so they've kind of fallen, she's met up with this guy again. And then you have Carl kind of making some comments and being like, oh, I don't know what you're doing. And all of this, which is kind of a conflict to and a contradiction to his actions. But this never comes up. Which is weird. I I just find, you know, some of their interactions are, are kind of weird. Because you have him lecturing and being condescending. But the light is never kind of shone on his shit. So it just makes it a really weird situation. You know what I mean? And there's kind of a moment when, like, Andy says to him, I don't feel you. Because it's it's just like, look, sometimes when you're talking to someone and they're upset, and especially if they're your partner, you would give them a hug or something like that. He wants to just sit there and look, in, look at her and go, I understand. Oh, I, yeah. But you have to see it from my point of view. You know, and it's just a bit like, yawn. You know what I mean? Um, But, you know, but I guess, look, this is, one of the big things about all of this is, it's dealing with love and, you know, the different guises of it. So, I, I, you know, everyone will take something differently from these interactions, you know, so that's one of the big things, like episode two, Private Eyes, um, kind of is a guy who's working in a security firm, but, you know, he's kind of the newish guy there, so he's just doing the the admin, the low-level tasks, but because they need some help with something and no one else is around, he gets pulled into working on this bigger job. Now, part of the job is he has to kind of go undercover in a BDSM club. And you see him entering the situation and it's weird and it's all kind of weird and, you know, but he kind of, you see him find himself a bit within that it seems so it's like you know he's realizing that maybe 
like this is something he would like to explore and we and we see him try and do that which is interesting you know because again it's a different love situation you know what i mean like bdsm kink and all of that that's something you know a lot of people they're just not into it but then when you break it down there's different levels to that as well so you know it's all love it's all i guess it's it, you know it's within this realm of consent and you know look i like this do you like this fine all right let's try this you know it, it's all of that so we're looking at this kind of things um episode 3 we visit again a couple of characters that we've been um following throughout the seasons chase and joe and it's a tricky situation because i think one of the things with the whole thing was you know this was chase's first lesbian relationship and you know so we see through all the episodes they're in we see her kind of I guess trying to find her way in it all and she is very influenced by talk she goes to and people she speaks to and all of this kind of thing which then you know so you kind of I think when she hears the exploits of friends the idea of being in a committed relationship you can see that is a bit daunting to her and she thinks it might be a bit restrictive but then it's what happens when your partner now starts to move on you know so we see all of this which is really interesting and it's a little heart-wrenching for many reasons like at the beginning um you know you're kind of like ah i want them to get back together but then there's another situation that seems like it could be a better fit for one of them and you're like well that's nice but then you wonder does that ever go anywhere you know what happens because the way that everything ends and you're like oh i wonder what happens now which is interesting um i think um actually i'm gonna jump to episode four so episode and i'm gonna jump episode six so we will go to like now episode seven is a weird one i feel so the thing with this one is um it's called number one seller and so it's basically the gist is to avoid giving up a percentage of his sales street vendor scrap splits off from his boss and recruits recruits his friend call to mount a rival operation so we have this but the episode doesn't it doesn't really explore love like it it 
explores friendship to some extent, but I think a very loose extent, because, you know, in that description, it says his scrap, like, teams with his friend cool, but I don't think you really see that much depth to that relationship as it is. And one of the the kind of only part of love, an idea of that that we kind of maybe see, is a situation at a strip club. And like you wonder if that situation is fueled from from loneliness, from lonely loneliness, loneliness, loneliness. Yes, loneliness. So you wonder if that situation is fueled from lonely, lonely. Oh my god! I don't know why my words disappear at times, <laughs> but they do. Loneliness. Yes. So you wonder if that strip club situation is fueled from that. If he's trying to fuel, fill a void, or if it's just money, you know. It, 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 you know, he's being consumed with money and he wants to look like, you know, big man on campus kind of thing. But yeah, this is an odd episode when you compare it to everything else. So it's a bit like, uh, I wonder why it's there. Because it really doesn't fit within the narrative of everything we've seen, you know, like, everything else kind of works together, but this one, yeah, it really doesn't, it's an odd, it's an odd one, it's very odd, it's not a terrible episode, it just, it's just a weird fit, yeah, I mean, episode eight, low rolling boil, see, this one, we get back with Jeff and Matt, you know, Brew Brothers and that whole situation And, you know, you could say this is a different situation as well But the thing with this is It does, it really does revolve around relationship and love Because both Jeff and Matt have partners Who have both had children so we're seeing this dynamic, we're seeing the dynamic between themselves and everything. So it does work more within the confines of the series. Um, this episode is fine. But the the big thing with this one is it's a bit too nicey-nice, I think. Because... You have Jeff just, oh dear, Jeff, he's doing some stupidness, you know what I mean? He's doing some stupidness, and I think, like, he gets out of the situations, but it's just a bit, it just seems very easy, you know, like, just a little easy, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah And like Then the situation he has With um, 
you know, at home when he's um I guess when he's when he's speaking with uh Noel it just seems a bit like hmm wait, like what are you doing? You know, it's like the arguments and the, I guess the things that, that, you know, he's saying, it's all a bit, um, it doesn't really hold up, I think, because he's, like, He's using certain things as an excuse for his actions. And instead of, you know, Noel just being like, look, stop the shit. Stop, like, using these excuses. It's just like, I understand. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. And look, don't get me wrong. Yes, when you're in a relationship... You do try and emphasise and you do understand the situations that might trigger someone and affect someone all of on all of that. But then also you understand that sometimes people try and cover up their bullshit with well, I only did that because, you know, my dad left when I was sixteen and you're just like no, it can't, that can't be the get out of jail card for every fucking shit that you do, you know what I mean, but within this, it is a bit too, just, tell me how you feel, okay, I emphasise with you, and we don't really see the other side of things, you know, the other side of just like, look, you need to grow the fuck up. You're acting like a fucking asshole. We don't really. There's one moment where Noel's like, you know, you need to babysit tomorrow because I'm doing this. But that's it. It was just like one, you know, 30 second like bit. And it's just like, it, you know, I should be a bit more authentic, maybe. But yeah, so that was that. Um, episode 9 was, oh, you, you know what, we revisit, um, you know, a, a couple of characters that we haven't seen since, um, the first episode, the first, the first season, should I say, um, which is, uh, yeah, you know. It, 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 it's kind of um, interesting, yeah. Because yeah, we had we hadn't hadn't seen them for a while, so that was good. So um, yeah, it, we, you know, we we get to see um, um, Annabelle, Sophie again. Who, you know, was in, um, I think it was episode 7 of season 1 uh, Yeah, so we, we see her Because, you know, in that episode The show she was leaving for um, it, it got cancelled 
So she decides to try and um I guess revisit her her ex. Jack Johnson. Um yeah, his character's Drew Andrew. Um Yeah, so you know, it, it, she comes back and you know, because the show's been cancelled and she has to do this thing in Chicago. And she goes to meet him. And we see them kind of reconnecting. Which is nice. But then, you know, she's talking about all of this stuff. So, it's like... She's trying to... Lay the groundwork for something. To see if she can do it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, she makes these kind of promises and illusions, but it's it. You kind of feel that if she doesn't get the right reaction, she's not coming back. Like she's only coming back if all of this stuff is gonna be open for her, which is fine because I get you know that happens a lot, right? Um. But when she's kind of called on it and was like, all right, well, let's do it. She's then like, oh, no, but I've still got this stuff to do. And, you know, and so you get this weird situation um, that, you know, it, it clearly is hurting them both. And then at the end, there's this moment and you're just like. Use your phone. Just use your phone, man. Oh, my God. But, yeah. And so you're just like, oh, man. I I want them to... Uh, but you just don't know. You don't know. Like, you hope... You hope that something happens. But, yeah. That's where it all ends. And it's just like, oh my god. Damn it. But, um, alright. So, let me, I'm going to jump back to episode 6. Which was Blank Pages. And this, um, we revisit uh, Jacob. Who is, um, who's played by uh, um, Mark Maron. Obs, and um, yeah, we also um, get to uh, get back with um, Annabelle, who is uh, who's played by um, you know Jane Adams, the great Jane Adams, um, and this is like it's a really interesting episode because. Like throughout the throughout all the episodes that Jacob has featured in, we're, we're, we're kind of seeing this guy who who's kind of very narcissistic, but through these interactions, you can see him changing. You know, so you can see him kind of opening himself up to other ideals and other. Sensibilities 
which is really interesting. Um, so yeah, in this episode, like someone's writing a, a, a graphic novel that features him, and he hears that it might not be a um, a favorable uh, dis- description. Um, and yeah, so we we kind of see that situation explored, which is fine. Um, like my one thing with that is again, it's all a bit nice, nice, you know, because we look at the situation, and it's just like, you know, oh, you know, you took advantage of me, you did this stuff, and blah 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 blah. Which is one perspective of it. Yes. You you know, that's fair. You because you know everyone is affected by situations in a different way. But the other angle is you're a grown person and you know you're 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 not entitled to these things, these were things that, you know, I was going to do, but, because everything went weird, so it just was weird, but don't, you know, look, you were told that your stuff was good, so you could have pushed it, you could have then still taken your stuff to try and get to those points, but you didn't, so, like, this was never said, and I just feel that that is a, a perspective that is valid within the conversation. So it would have been nice to get that as well. But, look, I really liked the episode because I really liked the interaction between um, Annabelle and Jacob. I really like that interaction and how it all kind of unfolds. It, it's just, yeah, it made me happy. It did make me happy. Um, and then the final episode that I'm going to get to is episode four, which was called Yes. And... Um, this one we go back to Annie um who is uh oh gosh Annie is played by um Kate Mikuki yes and I've said it before I'm going to say it again though I really like her in easy because Every time we'd seen her before, you know, like in Big Bang and other things like that, she's just this weird, kooky character. And it's all very one-dimensional. Um, but in in this, in Oates and um, Garfunkel, we see a bit more depth to her. And especially in Easy, there's definitely more depth. To her as an actress Which I like Um, 
And um, yeah, so basically the description of this episode is Tired of being single, Annie decides to say yes to everyone who asks her out for 30 days And finds herself battling dating fatigue And um, it's, it's an interesting situation You know, we've kind of seen plays of it before in other things Like Yes Man and stuff like that But um. Yeah, I like this episode Just because it's just like She's trying to navigate this situation Because, you know, in season 2 We see her, you know, she's dumped And she realises that, you know She really would like a family And she's missing that component So she helps her friend out And it's like, look, I'll babysit your kid Whenever you want, don't pay me I just, because it helps me It's something I'm, you know, missing in my life so we've seen that So now it's like we see her going Look I need to try and Remedy this situation And so we're seeing her try to do it And so it's going on all these dates And trying to find someone Who you connect with And who likes you as much as you like them And so that's Really you know, It's interesting, it's nice I think we can all relate to it And uh, I just love the way it ends I love the way this episode ends And I don't mean just the, the exact ending of it But what how it leads up to that moment I think it's great I really like it And it's just like You wish more people would kind of be like that You know, that they realise that this thing is there under their nose. You know, it's just great. I loved it. I I thought it was great. I think it's just like, you know, I'm not even gonna lie. It, I I think things like this get me because I think it's it's just you know it's that possibility of love and happiness that you know you're you're just kind of trying to keep yourself open to. So when you see it depicted And depicted in a way that Isn't just You know your big film manufactured situation It's nice Because even though it is in a film or a TV series Because it's shown in a more natural way It does make you like Believe that the possibility Is still there you know what I mean? But um, yeah, that was a great episode. Um, so yeah, like look, season three, it's still decent. I didn't love it as much as season one and two, but there was still episodes that I really enjoyed, like us, like yes and blank page. They were two my two favorite episodes of the season. But I also enjoyed, you know. Spontaneous 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 combustion Um Private eyes They're very good Um Yeah she's back That was nice You know the other episodes were okay But those one, Those were the ones that really kind of resonated With me within this season 
But yeah, even though, you know, it wasn't as great as the other seasons, I still enjoyed it. And I think if you are a fan of the previous two seasons, then yes, you want to see this. Because it kind of concludes stories or just closes certain narratives of stories. So you will want to watch it. You will want that kind of conclusion and resolution. And it's just interesting. So, um, yeah, that's easy. Season three It's on Netflix. And it's by um, Joe Swans, Swan, blah, 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 blah. Joe Swanberg. Okay, so this week's book is Blood Moon Rising. It's book two in Mark. Dawson's Beatrix Rose series. Um, it's read by Mark Deakins. Um, and the gist of the book is this. Ten years ago, Beatrix Rose headed an off-the-books hit squad to carry out the dirty work of the British government. When she discovered that the commander of the squad was corrupt, he sent five of his assassins to rub her out. And rub her out being killed, not a big gangbang, just so you're clear. But they failed. Bad mistake, people. There were six names on Beatrix's kill list. Two have been accounted for, and she has number three in her sights. But Brian Duffy is in Iraq. Surrounded by mercenaries and there's no easy way for Beatrix to get to him. And no easy way to get out. Strap in for book two of Mark Dawson's heart-stomping Beatrix Rose best-selling trilogy. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, like these are short books. They're not huge books, which is which is good because you know, I, I, I don't really think you need more than you get. Right? The first book was definitely hey, that was just wall to wall. It was good fun. Like book two here, Blood Moon Rising. It it's it's fine. But there are things that come up that are just a bit like, hmm, right, it's a bit cliche. It's a bit cliche. It's a bit, why do we need this? You know? Um, like, so she has to go to Iraq to get this guy. And so straight away, you're like, okay, so she's in another country. And Iraq especially where, you know, like women's rights aren't the same as men's so you know off the bat there's gonna be shit like it's it's not gonna be a plain sailing you know situation which is a bit like I think when you read books like this you know shit's gonna come up but you don't want to have to you don't want to see it you want to be like oh shit Okay, I didn't realise that was going to... But I think this book, 
you pretty much know as soon as it's like so they decide to cross the border and it's got the border guard patrol and you're like okay obviously that they're going to be an issue and, and and so you can see whenever something's going to happen you then have um so she's got the one mission that is hard enough as it is then you 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 throw another cog into the mix and it's a bit all right like why though i mean and it's a bit and like it was predictable because <clears throat> we we have this instance with this little girl and the the moment like the little girl is mentioned you know she is going to be like oh she reminds me of my daughter i want to save her so you know like it, it it's not brain surgery you know you 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 know that that's gonna be an issue that's she's gonna show like some remorse and she's gonna help the girl it's gonna make everything make mucky and <sighs> really complicated and blah 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 and so i think that was <clears throat> that was probably the main issue i have with this book it is it, it's just the situation some of these situations were just so predictable and it was just like we've had these situations like do we really need them again like in um the hong kong series you know that kind of told the, her early days in hong kong which is the the the, the prequel to this series as it were like the short novellas um there's an instance with a little girl in that that complicates matters so it's a bit like it just seems a retreading of something we've already come across with this character let alone dawson has written exactly the same with his john milton character so it, it it's just a case of look i you can't tread the same waters so many times because it just become you come across it and you roll your eyes you roll your eyes and it's just like yeah this again because however tricky the situation then becomes you know that the outcome is going to be okay because it's book two in a trilogy you know what I mean? So it's a bit like, well, it's a truly, like, I'm not so, I'm, there's, there's no point of this where I think, oh, this could be it. Pictures could be fucked. Do you know? So I I, I think, it, it, yeah, like the surprise, the element of shock and awe and blah, it's just not there. So, yeah, it, it, I think this book, even though it was short, was a little baggy in places. There was definitely bits that were like, just cut them out. Just cut them out. I'm bored. Don't need it. 
like the story itself it's not as i said, look as i said before or stuff it's not badly written it's not badly written at all like deakins does a really good job with the narration and everything like that so it's all it's fine and probably if i hadn't read the Hong kong series you know if i hadn't read those and if i hadn't read the john milton books be absolutely fine with this but because i have because i've come across this stuff before from dawson reading this book it was just like it's not needed i don't need it i don't care i'm bored like but when you take those that element out absolutely fine i'm fine with the book you know like the stuff like the stuff with her daughter isabella that's a bit irritating as well i mean i said that in the first book review just because it's just like the mummy and it's just like that pisses me off it's just like ah she's too old to be calling you mummy man stop that shit and it, it, it's just like you know oh so your daughter is now a, a great you know she's awesome with these guns that's not predictable you know what i mean so yeah yeah like it's not a terrible book but i could have done without certain elements of it but as i said look if you haven't read the hong kong series if you haven't read the john milton stuff you'll you'll love it yeah you won't have an issue at all um but yeah if you've read book one you'll want to read this for sure um, if you're a fan of Mark Dawson's writing in general, yeah, you'll want to read this. Like, it, it, it's a light read. It's definitely a book that you could take on holiday, sit by the pool or where, wherever you want to sit, chill, relax, read. If you're at an airport, if you just if you just want something easy, yeah, I, this is a book for you as well. Okay, so. That is Blood Moon Rising. It's book two in the Beatrix Rose series. Um, it's written by Mark Dawson. And it's narrated by Mark Deakins. So I got it from Audible UK. I'd imagine that you can get it on audible.com. And the other audibles around the world. So people, if, you, if this sounds like it's... You, for you go check it out okay cool well people we're um yeah we're getting close to the end of another episode you know, i'd be interested to know if um you know people agreed with me with the way i interpreted um season three of easy that'd be interesting but uh yeah you know I don't know, you know what, I, I just remembered, I, I forgot, um, so I was speaking with some agencies uh, this week about potential new roles and stuff like that, and one lady was asking me about, um, you know, stuff I've done like over 10 years ago, so obviously, you have to think a bit, you know what I mean, so I'm, I'm thinking about you know, this job that I did back then and just the minutiae of it all. 
And so then we continue talking. And um, at the end, she's like, uh, ah, you know, I think one of the reasons you probably haven't got a new role yet is you're a bit weird. You come off very weird. All right. What? What the fuck are you talking about? And yeah, she's like, oh, it's not a bad thing. It's just, yeah, you come off weird. So you probably should think about that when you're speaking with people. I'm like, the only weird fucking person in this room is you, motherfucker. But, yeah, these fucking agencies have you over a bit of a barrel. You know what I mean? It's just like, you could tell them to go to hell. But, they all work in this clicky little club. So then the word goes out that, they shouldn't fuck with you, so, ah, uh, yeah, very weird, right, um, but yeah, that was a little aside, um, so yeah, we are coming to the end of another episode, so let's do a little TV news, and then we can bounce, okay, so, with the, um, advent of all these new streaming platforms there's a lot of new content coming and something that's going to be popping up on the new warner media streaming platform is gremlins secret of the mogwai um which is going to be a 10 episode half hour prequel series to the 1984 film gremlins and it's animated so you know that's a first right um and so the idea of the story is to tell the uh, uh, the, the original story of the guy that owned the shop where gizmo is found in the first film um, which was owned by Mr. Wing. Um, and it's set in 1920s Shanghai. The series reveals how 10-year-old Sam Wing met the young mogwai called Gizmo. Along with a teenage street thief named L, they take a perilous journey through the Chinese countryside encountering and sometimes battling colorful monsters and spirits from Chinese folklore on their quest to return Gizmo to his family and uncover a legendary treasure. At the same time, they're pursued by a power-hungry industrialist and his growing army of evil gremlins. Hmm, I mean, it does sound interesting. So, um, yeah, only issue is it's on the Warner Media streaming platform. Who knows if it's coming to the UK? And, like, do I really want to buy another streaming platform? That's the question, right? Um, up for news. So, word has come that. A potential new 
um, addition to the Black Hadder, Black Adder franchise might be coming. Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw the guys was um, Black Adder goes forth. You know, which uh, yeah, that 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 came a long ass time ago. So um, I think the word on this one is that it's gonna be set in modern day with Edmund Blackadder as an aging university lecturer. Um, yeah. You know, um, I, I think it was it was said a while back by um, by Richard Curtis. The thing about Blackadder was it was a young man show criticizing older people, saying how stupid those in authority were. So I did once think if we were ever if we ever did. Um, a uh, if we ever did a um, another series, it should be Blackadder as a teacher in a university about how much we hate young people. So yeah, who knows, man? Yeah, I, I, the other series were really good. Like if you think about how the show, um, you know, started back in '83. In 83, man. You know what I mean? It's crazy. So it's got kind of gone through the ages. You know, first season, the middle age. Second season, Elizabethan times. The third was the Regency. And the fourth, World War One. So, uh, yeah. We will see if this actually happens. Because... You know, it's been muted a number of times, but um, never materialised. So, uh, fingers crossed, we get that fifth season. Alright, and finally, Sony Pictures Television are developing a live-action TV series adaptation of Final Fantasy. Um... I think 14, I think the 14th version, which is a little bit of a misnomer because, um, you know, the series is inspired by characters and the world of Era Z, but will revolve around an original story rather than incorporate one from the 2010 PC title so we'll see familiar familiar characters from the game but we'll also have new ones Um, and the series is going to focus on the struggle between magic and technology in a quest to bring peace to a land in conflict and Final Fantasy game elements like Chickaboo's airships Beast Men and Sid will also be incorporated. So, uh, yeah, Ben Lustig and Jake Thornton are going to be um, penning the series. 
Um, and I think it's going to be um, shopped around the variety of new streaming services. So, uh, yeah, this could be very interesting. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with it, man. But that is it for another episode. Um, yeah, might be bringing the um, next week's episode a day early. I'm not sure next week, but we'll see. But either way, you'll have it by Wednesday. Okay, so uh, yeah, stay cool and I will see you. See you next week, people. Peace.